Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm going to be natural. I am Dr. Dozier, and I am going to be super. Yeah. And I am Dr. O, and I'm going to be the junkie. He's Dr. Dennis, and he is a junkie. I am Dr. Kevin, and we are the the Supernatural Junkies. Well done. Well done, boys. Hello, everyone. We are missing Alex from the Supernatural Junkies, so we're going to have to try and be super without her today. We have a very special episode. Of course, we have Dr. Dozier's in the house. And what kind of house are you in today, Dr. Dozier? I'm in the house of the Lord wherever I go. Amen. (laughs) I knew I could coax it. I set him up for that one. (laughs) He set me up. He set me up. (laughs) But so we'll be, well, we, we always need Dr. Dennis, too, and he's not going to be here today. We are doing a, uh, an episode with him later today, actually, because of this time change. But we have a very special guest, Dr. Daniel Bernard with Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. And for those that have listened before, we've had Daniel on before. And, of course, Daniel, we nicknamed him the Diesel because <laughs> he is always working on something. Always. <laughs> and it's good stuff with Somebody Cares Tampa Bay. And Daniel, how long have you been doing Somebody Cares Tampa Bay now? Only 26 years. Only 26 years. <laughs> That's some heritage. It is. You know, it really is. And when you get to go to one of Daniel, we both got to go to his event with his gala. And he had Michelle Bachman there. And boy, my wife was glued when she <laughs> when she was listening. But just to see the scope of the things that, that you guys do, you have mission trips. Have you been on a mission trip with Daniel? I have. I have. What we- was that like to go on a missions trip with Daniel? Well, for a moment there, I thought Daniel was going to leave me. <laughs> we we left from Tampa and everything went well, getting you know, to Atlanta. And then we flew on for another 13 hours to Nigeria. And Daniel hadn't been there for a while. You all may not know it, but he lived there for seven years. He hadn't been there for a while. So he just started walking through the airport and he left me way behind because the guy at Customs was trying to get something out of me. Yes, I'm telling the truth. And so I'm looking in Daniel's way ahead, and, and this is my first time there. So I'm, I I have to shout out through the airport, Daniel, Daniel, you're just going to leave me? <laughs> yeah, you turn around. Oh, I thought you were right behind me. And, and there, were the, there were the police in there, and they, they carry like they carry like assault rifles. They really carry assault rifles at the airport. And when they started laughing, I'm like, okay, I guess it's not too bad. But <laughs> that's what it was like from the beginning. But the whole trip and in its entirety, it was great. It was awesome. It was a life experience that I would say anyone who does mission work should experience somewhere. So, Daniel, we're going to have to make you get your side of this story, right? <laughs> so you're going over to Africa here just in a couple of weeks, sir? Or what, what's going on? Yeah, we're trying not to give exact dates and so forth just because of, uh, of the security and so forth that's out there. But, 
You know, in fact, that's why we haven't done anything on Facebook or anything of that nature. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Just We make sure we put this out late. <laughs> no, no, well, you can put it out, whatever. <laughs> just, I'm just not going to give you exact dates. But yes, in, in, in the very near future, we're going to Nigeria for a couple of weeks. And when he says Nigeria, tell us what he means by that, Dr. Doja, because you guys be thinking, you know, swimming pools, hotels, you know, roads. <laughs> well, I guess... A lot of times when people hear Nigeria, they think Lagos because it's the easiest thing to remember. And and then you, you do have some, you know, nice areas. What is it called, Daniel? Victoria City or whatever Victoria it is. Victoria Island. Victoria Island. You got some nice areas and all. But, uh, you know, you're not going over. You're going over there to do work. You're going over there to do kingdom work. And so I remember I remember the first night. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> we stayed at this hotel in Lagos after it took us forever to drive to the airport because there were so many cars on the street because there are millions of people live there and and people riding around in Kiki's. Kiki's is three three wheel vehicles. And so we go to this hotel and we go in the gates, it looked like something from the Arabian Nights. It was a real <laughs> high gate and and then at the top it had the steel arrow like bars bent towards the end inside. I'm like Okay, so I guess this is for defense. So we go in and we check in, and 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 Daniel and I went separate rooms. I like having my own room, so that was great. And so we had no our bunk beds. We had our good, we had our bed. We had our good friend Wilson, and Wilson, Wilson, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But we had our good friend Wilson, and Wilson gave us a code. Wilson said, "Listen, if you hear a knock on the door, three three knocks." He said, "That's me. Don't open it unless you hit three knocks." So okay, so I'm in the room and. And everything and things are a little bit different there. They're quite a bit different. I hear this knock on the door, and I open the door, and there's someone saying, "Would you like something to eat?" <laughs> and it wasn't Wilson. So I said, "Wilson." I said, "Wilson, how are you going to say this is our secret code and you give it to somebody else?" But that went that way that night, and then later that night, Wilson said, "Well, the people are real loud," and I was in the room, and people were loud. And I'm going to be honest, I stereotyped the people. They were real loud out there, and just hanging around. And, you know, it's my first time there. So I'm like, okay, I, I've got to go in defense mode because my door was kind of raggedy. I mean, my door was raggedy. You could snatch it real hard and pull it open. So the chair in the room was real heavy, a round, heavy chair. I slid the chair up against the door, this big old man here, and I put my luggage on top of the chair. <laughs> I said, okay, so if someone decides, I never told Daniel this. I don't think I did. I said, okay, so if someone decides to break in, then I can already get in my defense position and I can deal with a few of them before they finally. But it was very peaceful. <laughs> and then so what he's asking, we rode on and when we what we end up being, it was it was not this was not what you would call a pleasure trip. It wasn't hardship because the people are beautiful, but it's totally different from here. When you're driving down the dirt roads, I mean the highway, oh, it's more like the dirt road. But when you're driving down the highway, you've got these huge craters i mean potholes but they look like craters and you 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 go you go somewhere and it's like okay what is this going to be like but then when you go and you settle the people were really a beautiful people and i think it would be good for you once you make it through the airport once you make it out of the airport because that can be a culture <laughs> shock for you right there but once you make it out of the airport and you get with the people the people are very very beautiful well, and he also goes down the rivers into the bush. So we're going to get to Daniel here and just got to give him a few more props here. They they feed people here in the area. They they set up 
ways that they go in and help communities and especially people that have trouble fixing up their houses. When disasters happen, uh, Daniel goes and says, I got a trouble, couple of trailers leaving. <laughs> so we get to go to his men's conference. He gets pastors together in the area. So he's one of the most diverse pastors I've ever met in my life. And then he goes to all kinds of places. We're trying to get him to go to Honduras now officially. <laughs> So, so Daniel, we also got to see your, your son's uh, movie. Tell us about that a little bit. Well, yeah, the movie was based on uh, some true events that took place in his life, our life. And, of course, he was in a near-fatal car accident. He had a 4 by 5 inch piece of skull that had to be removed just to allow his uh, brain to swell and try to save his life. And and so he was uh, declared dead, And but, you know, God had different you know, purposes for him. Amen. And Amen. He, and he, we got everybody to pray. I didn't have any idea what the statistical probability of him actually coming back from what he had experienced in the accident and so forth. Actually, found out later was actually zero. And <laughs> but uh, we just began to pray and believe God and say it's going to be a complete recovery. Not knowing, you know, because they said if if he does, you know, come back. That he'll never be, you know, fully functional again. Yeah, he'd be in a vegetative state. And of course, we know if you know, if you go see the movie The Favorite, you'll see that uh, he's uh, fully functional and actually would play the lead role in the movie. Wow. Yeah. So you guys, you're sitting together with two men here that believe. Okay, they they pray, and miracles happen. And of course, we're having Daniel on today because he's written yet another book, and this one is called The Proven Plan. Now, I'm, I'm not kidding you. We were just, in the last two episodes, we've kind of come to almost what you're talking about in this book, you know, the idea of really getting back to some ideas of discipleship, right? And so we had had some people comment upon, you know, that they went to church and yada, 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 and why are we seeing the church just be kind of ineffective, not really being able to address what's happening. And, you know, so there's this faith we have and our, our faith can be dead if we don't have some actions that, that follow what we really believe. And so we were just saying that one of the reasons why is that you say, oh, I went to church today and a young lady told me that. And I go, did you talk to anybody? at the church in a personal way that they somehow know you, that they're a part of your life? Did, did that happen at all? And of course, you know what the answer is. It was no, right? So so you see there, the fellowship part of church isn't happening. We have a spectator sport, really. Mm-hmm. And then that second one is that great commandment that you get into in your book, you know, that we're supposed to go and make disciples and that the disciple is a student, right? And so... I don't know any pastor that believes that going to church on Sunday morning is discipleship, right? That's kind of the open-ended auditorium, speak to everybody time, and we're not going to get too deep into something that would really truly be called teaching. I think most pastors would admit that. So then you ask them, well, when when is the teaching happening? And they would say, well, we do life groups. And then you go, okay, well, how many people participate in your life groups? And then you're going to go uh, maybe 20, 30%, right? So that means only a few people in the church are getting that. And then if you really look at that, and I know we're part of a of, of life groups as well, and I'm going to say 
the ones that we've seen, we haven't seen that they're really true teaching. They really are more fellowship than actual teaching. And so you can see how now you're trying to revive the proven plan here. Mm-hmm. So, so we've been talking about how fellowship and actual teaching, which is, which is the art of making disciples, just isn't happening in the church today. So I was like, man, let's get him, let's get him in here before he hit, go, ships off to Africa, <laughs> down the rivers. <laughs> go ahead, Daniel. Tell us about Well, your yeah, you know, this is a book that basically I had planned out for years because it's, it's based the principles that I use in my ministry from way back, even my very first church in Williamstown, Kentucky, and through my my as a pastor and and street minister in Texas, and then you know taking that to Nigeria, and so much of that you know some some of those stories are there in that you know especially the stories of our making of disciples and who've went out to plant churches and so forth and make disciples in Nigeria. A lot of those stories that I shared in previous, you know, the previous episodes when you had me on, I guess I would right. say. But but yeah, the, the main thing is so I finally came to a place and said, you know what, it's time to write it. It's time. We had outlined it and so forth and it just sat there and I just really felt like now was the time. The urgency because of what we see, you know, I as Send the back cover. You know, here we have <clears throat> mega churches abound, and yet we have less and less influence on our on our culture. Yes, and and I said so. Either what we're producing is not Christianity at all, or the quality of it is so is so bad that it's ineffective. And Jesus said, if the salt were to lose its saltiness, it's good for nothing, but to be thrown out, to be trodden underfoot by men. And so I so said, we have to really look at what we're reproducing because we only reproduce after our own kind. That's right. Uh, you know, apples beget apples and what have you, right? Goats beget goats and what have you. So there's no transgender there. You know, <laughs> there's no yeah. transitioning. There's, you know, you're only reproducing after your own kind. And we have to take a serious look. And mainly the book is for the church in America. And I believe it is a prophetic word for the church in America, but to take a real hard examination of what we're producing and have to say we've got to change and that means for the church that that we we have to change we we are not set up in how we're doing church right now we're not set up to make disciples where we don't we, logistically even we, we're just not set up to have those relationships and encourage a relationship building that it's required in order to make a disciple and so you know and, and part of that is because I believe that we've sold out to the God of success or what yeah. we understand success is. And I know that's a hard word, uh, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, my, the very last chapter in the book is an army, an audience or an army. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, the reason why we're losing this cultural war is because an audience, they don't come to fight. No. They come to be entertained. That's right. They come to, you know, I, and again, I, I I get it. I don't want to you know discourage the younger pastors and so forth. We're all doing this, but you know I was in church. We were visiting a particular church, not my home church, but and you know they had the countdown five minutes before you, you know, which is all kind. That's okay, but then then it gets done the last ten seconds, and during the last ten seconds, the lights come down, and I turned to my wife. I said, "The show is about to begin." Yeah. 
And because that's what we're doing, who can produce the best show? Amen. And, 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 you know, so that's the problem that we're having. And so the book really addresses that and then say, okay, that's the problem. But I bring, the, you know, I believe hopefully the solution is, of course, and we can get into, into depth and into detail, but the solution is we've not followed the proven plan that Jesus gave us, that Jesus exemplified. And therefore, you know, we, we've lost that quality, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, people are getting into the kingdom by the skin of their chinny chin chin, you know, and they're, they're not in there for the rewards that Paul said that you're my joy, mm-hmm. you're my reward at the coming of the Lord. Amen. Right? And he's referring to, you know, people who are his, you know, disciples. And, 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 you know, I want people, you know, so we talk about going for the crowns and I, you know, the different crowns that are there in, in the word. And, and so I said, man, you know, go for all the crowns. And right, I said, or if you or you're just part of the audience, then guess what? You know, when they're giving out crowns, you'll be watching everybody else get their crown. <laughs> you might be in heaven, but you're going to be watching everybody else get a crown. I said, I I don't want to be there, Doctor Dozier. What do you think about this rewards idea he's bringing up here? Well, first, I, I want to I want to make a statement, and then I want to ask a question of Daniel to clarify some things the people because I understood clearly what he was saying. But I I believe the, well, I can see one of the problems that we have when it comes to this. What the church has transitioned to, a portion of the church has transitioned to, is getting members instead of making disciples. And when I hear people say they're a member, they're a member of, they're a member of, it sounds more like a club Mm -hmm. or some type of union. And, And something's wrong with the theology there. Because the word tells us that God has set the members, every one of them in the body as it has pleased him. And so by the spirit of God, we are baptized into one body. And then when you look into first Corinthians, when it speaks of the body and it speaks of members, it's referring to body parts. And so we are part of the body of Christ. We're members of his body. But what we're starting to do is make members of a church. Mm. Some churches even have it where you pay membership dues. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, <laughs> but I believe that's when you start seeing the groups and all. It's, it's even handled like members. But when you have disciples, what you now have is students. You have pupils, you have scholars. And what are you? What are these pupils, scholars, and, and, and students? What are they pupils, scholars, and students of? They're students of the things of God, how to live and what to do, how to be and how to perform. When I say perform, I'm speaking of doing the works of the kingdom. When I speak of be, how to live as a citizen of the kingdom. And so a, a, a great deal of that has been omitted for the sake of counting membership and mm-hmm. membership is is bringing about the success instead of bringing out bringing about success to the body by winning souls to the kingdom mm. now the question i wanted to ask daniel is he said something and i i think that was very that was very strong and it was concerning his book and he said this is mainly for the church in america and so i don't want to assume that everybody understands what he means by that but i, I believe i understand daniel can you kind of like can you enlighten on on that can you can you expound on that as far as what you mean by the mainly for the church in America? Well, in, in most parts in the other parts of the world, you know, they're they grow up in a in a, a an apprentice type of learning where, you know, they're you know, let's just put it this if you want to become a mechanic in Nigeria or a panel beater, in other words, you do what body work that they call mm-hmm. it a panel beater. 
you know, so you'll have a, some two or three guys who will, you know, you'll have the, the, the big guy, the main guy, the owner, right? And they're hanging around and they, and they actually do labor for free, you know, because just to learn the ins and outs of how to replace an engine or whatever the case may be, you know, whatever they're going to be doing on. So, so the owner, he shows them what to do, right? He tells them and he shows them what to do. And then he says, okay, you now do it. And then after a certain period of time, you could see these guys, these owners, you know, they'll play the big, you know, the big chief and they'll, they're just sitting down and they're just watching their guys. He's, he's, you know, watching these guys work and, you know, as he gets paid, you know, so, I mean, but, but the reality is that's how they learn. And that is exactly how, well, that's how we don't learn here in the United States because we, you know, we took on the, the, the Greek and way of learning in that is was knowledge is king, right? Knowledge and knowledge is powerful, but that's that's the the, the learning process. A disciple means learner or follower. That is the learning process is knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And so the understanding part is really where you take the knowledge and you begin to apply it. Mm-hmm. You know, David said, "I have more. I have more understanding than all my elders because I obey." Thy precepts. Mm, wow. So, so he he exceeded his elders mm-hmm. because he was obedient to the word and, and walked out the word, and and then of course wisdom is then because you have done that, then you have the wisdom to know what to do next. Now it's interesting. I make a point to saying that that also that three we we don't do that threefold. You know, we're stuck in the knowledge stage mm. in 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 the church in America. So I'd say we're we're a jack of all trades and masters of none. We're an inch an inch deep and a mile wide. Mm. You, you know, we we know a, a a a little about a lot. You know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're just not we don't have depth in other words, okay? Wow. Now Jesus, you know, that's what he did. He told them knowledge. He showed them, right? And and then he let them. Right. That's why you know even when when they came down from the mountain and he talked to the disciples because they're the epileptic and so forth that and the demon possessed he, they couldn't heal him they couldn't cast him out and he said how long do I have to be with you oh ye of little faith in other words there was an expectation on the part of Jesus to his disciples that you guys by now need to be getting this you know you need to be replicating because Jesus, he his intent was that he was going to leave and all those disciples, all those apostles, they need to be operating in wisdom mm. and that wisdom level. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? Yep. And so, and, and that, and if, he's, if they do that, then I, I'm good. I can lead this with them so they can build my church. And, and, and just consequently is that the, the Godhead, right? The, the father represents the knowledge, right? The Son, Jesus, is where we get the understanding of the word, right? Right. We know, know, oh, well, now we know what the Father meant. And, of course, the Holy Spirit is what then helps us to carry out. And so I'm like, the the very essence of what it means to be a follower of Christ is in the Godhead itself. I said, so anytime we've... We vary off that very thing is that we, of course, are going to not make disciples as effectively as we can, and therefore the quality of what we are producing is not going to be there. And this is the proof of what we see in the church in America, the bottom line. You know, it's not too hard that we that we have abandoned the proven plan. 
Amen. And uh, as as Dr. Dozier shared, is that, you know, there was a church I was in, was that they said they were going to double their disciples in like two years. And the church is like around 250. They're, and I was like excited. I'm going, like, oh my goodness, this is like an aggressive strategy. And then I found out what they really meant was their understanding of disciple was that they would become church members. Right. And church members today, what they do is that they're there to help extend the brand of the church. That's right. So so they're called in and, you know, yes, I mean, and so they're called and they serve. They can become a greeter. They can become an usher. They can become a parking t- parking attendant and so forth and what have you. Right? So they serve the brand, all right? Now, again, yes, that is a, you know, that is a minimum of, of what we can see is, is what it is to be a disciple by serving. That's good. But, you know, we're called to, we're not even called to build a church, right? We're called to make disciples will make disciples. Jesus in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as we know, he told the disciples, go reproduce yourself. Mm-hmm. Go reproduce yourself. Because you are a disciple. That's You're right. my disciple. So now how, you go. So I talk about you know your family tree. Do you have a spiritual family tree? Have wow. you won anybody to the Lord? Have you raised them up in the Lord? Have you? I mean, that is not expected upon any of our – that's another thing. It, there's no expectation on our members to do that. No. You know, it's, it's Jesus' expectation – you know that we would be be reproducing, but but we don't have that expectation, and I, so yeah. I think it was two years ago. <clears throat> I was I was sitting to prepare a sermon, and usually when I prepare a sermon, there's a particular area that I'm going. I'll look at needs. I'll look at where things are. I'll look at and and I'm praying and saying, "Well, God, how will you have me to approach this?" But I remember one day I sat there and. I could not get anything. Now, when I say I could not get anything, I'm not saying that I could not put together a message. I can put together a message in 10, 15 minutes, but that's just putting together a message. But it was like the relevance. It was not coming. It was not coming. And I'm like, okay, well, what's here, Lord? Because I, what's here? And within my spirit, this is really what I got. You have preached many messages and many have not been moved upon go back and preach some of the things that you preached before and so what happens is people people became lovers of sermons yep how you presented them they became lovers of sermon and have to be careful because as, as daniel was saying people can fall in love with knowledge Mm. But if you're just puffed up with knowledge, it, it profits nothing. Mm. And so when I when you get information, there's an expectancy for you to move on that information. And you can look in Hebrews chapter five when the writer of Hebrews writes, when he's speaking of of, of Melchizedek and, and and Jesus, and he said there there are many things I can I can tell you, but they're hard to be uttered or hard to be voiced. It's hard for me to say to you, not because he found it uh, difficult for him to bring it out, but he was saying the reason being because is because you are dull of learning. You are lazy with it mm. for when you should be teachers. Mm. Okay? And the only way you can be a teacher is to have been a disciple. Mm-hmm. And he said, so when you should have been, te- when you should, he said, by now you should be teachers. So that means they've been taught for a while. He says that you have need to be taught all over again the first or the elementary principles principles 
of the sayings of God. Wow. You, 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 you're, you're like a babe. Mm-hmm. And so a babe is not necessarily one who's just coming to the faith, which that would be a babe, but you can be saved four, five, six, seven, eight years, even 10 years and still be a babe. If you're not, if you're not taking in the word and acting on the word. So I, 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 I believe that's what we've seen a lot. I do want to say that it's, it's very important to me. I don't think that you have to be a giant sides ministry to be effective. Oh no. I believe what you have to have is you have to have the word of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of God, the word of God. And then you've got to walk out that with God leading the God leading the way I've seen a number of things done. And even Daniel coming over doing some of his discipleship training. I mean, it was tremendously effective. For those of you who don't know, Daniel's been here 27 years. I've known Daniel 27 years. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, it's like Daniel found me. This man just showed up out of nowhere. And uh, <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. There was a time when I was so busy, I kind of like got off. But one day I, ca- I, ca- I talked to Daniel. I said, Daniel, I'm, I'm locking back in. And I believe I've been locked back in with him ever since. But he came and he made a great impact on the young adults and and not just the young adults but even some who were older as well and i know we're talking about his book but daniel if you don't mind tell them about that well baby they actually witness with their testimony oh yeah well you know that's part of the book too i said because you know we we don't make disciples in the cool of a classroom and and so one of the very basic things we should do is that we should help you know get people to write and share their testimony. As far as we're taking on members, I said, why would you take on a member of a church as a member of your church if you if they don't or can't articulate how they got saved? And so I help people to articulate that, write it, and then, of course, share it because I talk about how uh, how we can, in, in the church today, can we be that Acts 542 church where they, you know, when it says in that scripture, they never stop teaching and proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ. I said, where can we find that church? I mm-hmm. said, this is one way we can do become that Acts 542. We just prepare our members to be able to write and share their testimony. So they have it in a written form, of course, and we should help them share it in an oral form. And I tell them, show them how they can present the gospel. And within that gospel presentation, share their testimony. So it's very powerful. And I said, you know, and that's something that, you know, I do it in such a way that if they have a team, they can continue to do it. They don't need me to come back every year to do it. They can do it themselves and take on these new believers. And one of the first things they should be doing is sharing their testimony, right? Mm-hmm. Is that because I talked about, who are the, who do these people know when they first get get saved? They they know a bunch of lost people. So you know we should expect that that we're going to say, hey, you know, let's go ahead and take that person out and share the the person you're going with. They share their testimony, and then eventually the other person, the new the newborn uh, believer, well, then as he understands and sees it at work, then you turn it over to him and say, okay, go ahead and share. And uh, so, I mean, that's how it happens. It happens, you know, one-to-one. It happens life-to-life. And that's how we, how we make disciples. You know, what Dr. Dozier is referring to is that, you know, we get really upset with our with our education system when we see people, oh, my goodness, they're graduating and they can't even read on an eighth-grade level. But how many of us, as he just talked about, how many we got people in the church, you know what I mean? And they, you know, they couldn't articulate their testimony. Uh, I mean, you know, they never won anybody to the Lord. Definitely didn't disciple somebody. I said, and why do we keep on teaching and preaching 
you know, and 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 without the expectation of them actually doing it. Why would we tell somebody D, E, and F when they haven't done A, B, and C? It doesn't make sense, you know. So I'm gonna just go tell everybody if this is uh, resonating with you, you can go to sctb.org. It's somebody cares Tampa Bay. You can go onto our website, and there you can see the book is available. And uh, there's a special pricing if you get five or more. But uh, I bought ten. Yeah, there you go. And so it's a small book, is you know. But you know, I, I don't. Fifteen. I beat you. Fifteen. Was it fifteen? <laughs> uh, I'm taking five no, you, a day. And so, so if you know, the bottom line is this: yeah, is that you know, it, it's very impacting. And you know, Ken Ken Harrison, the CEO of Promise Keepers, had a really pr- powerful forward to it. But anyway, that's one way you can get the book and so forth. And and as Doctor Dozier said, you know, hey, we'll come in, we'll share, help you to go do those things. Well, let me guys tell you, I mean, this is why we love Daniel, because I am telling you, you are not going to hear many people that come in and say what you just said. He's saying the, this prophetic word, and this is the same verse that Dr. Dozier and I have both used. But again, if the salt has lost its flavor, what does that mean? If the church is no longer tasty, when you think about is the church today making, you know, godliness more tasty in our society? Is is it even standing up for any of those things? There is no way you can make a case, right? And so we become so focused on the show and the numbers, why there's all these people here. And, and, and just let me show you this. This is, again, this was said to me by a pastor. We had a salt on our DNA conference, and we had one of the best doctors in the world to talk about that. And one of the pastors later, you know, said to me, well, He's not the greatest speaker. And I thought to myself, if you have one of the best experts about what they put in these vaccines and you expect him to put on a show for you, that's snobby magazine front cover, right? That's what we're getting at. If you don't put on a nice show, if you're not an excellent, eloquent speaker, think about Moses. He wrote five books, right? <laughs> he, he needed his brother <laughs> for anybody to basically get him because he had this problem with, with speaking. And so again, it's, it's all the glitz. It's all the glamor. It's all the superficial. And what we're trying to show you today in this show is that if you don't have fellowship at a church, if you're not being taught as a church at a church, if you're not growing in your faith, if you're not learning how to make disciples, your own students, based upon what you know, then you're not really going along with the proven plan, which means there's a part of the church that's called the church, but we haven't accepted the fact that it's not a biblical church. It's not what they were doing back in the original times when this happened. And so that's why I want to throw this out here. That's why I'm like, what you're saying today is exactly what we need to hear, because if we don't understand the cause, why do we have Christians today that don't really believe anything? right? Almost like Oprah-esque, right? Jesus is just one of the ways that, that you could become, you know, or get to God, right? Come to heaven, right? And so this is this watered down, like you said, mile wide, inch deep Christianity that we've really inherited. And so that's why what you're saying is so powerful, because guess what, folks? This is how we get the salt back, right? We have to go deeper, we have to get to that point where we are following what Jesus did and really making disciples. And I'll throw this out to you because I have a, 
a few friends of mine that they really love this discipleship thing. But then when I, like you say, you talk about that, I find out that their discipleship, it does not go very deep, right? And sometimes it completely negates things. But the best ones are the ones that actually, you know, actually do start discipling people in something. So if I was just to play devil's advocate, right, here's what I would say to answer some of maybe what could be a critic. So Daniel has had a street ministry. I don't know if anybody, have you ever had a street ministry where you're out there? Dr. Dozier, do you ever do a street ministry where you're out there just, you know, you got your foghorn, you got your big sign, whatever it is that you're doing, you're passing out something. How did that go? I remember, uh, <laughs> this is going to be kind of humorous. I remember the, I don't know if it was the first time, but I remember one time a friend of mine, he and I, we would go to different cities and I left here and I, I went to a city where I grew up. It was about maybe a hundred, hundred and so many miles away from here. And we would, we linked up with this pastor in the city. But what we wanted to do was we wanted to go in the park in the daytime to reach the people because we realized that some people are intimidated or fearful about going into an assembly. So we figured if we could meet them out there in the daytime and then we would take it to their ministry at night, the people would be more comfortable. So I remember we were out there and I was I was just heralding this word. And I saw this guy on his 10 speed bicycle. He was going down the street and he was a guy that I went to school with. As a matter of fact, we graduated the same year. He was on a 10 speed bicycle. And he was he was just looking and riding the bike, looking and riding the bike. And while I'm ministering, I'm saying, I'm, I look up ahead and I see this big oak tree and I see his bike swerving. I said, oh my goodness, this guy's going to hit this oak tree. True enough, he's looking while I'm preaching because I guess he's recognizing who it is because we were on there. And he's looking and then he hit the oak tree. The back, the back of the bike went, went vertical. <laughs> he went vertical and it went down. And then there was another guy across the street. There was like this, this dike, you know, like, you know, it's like a little ditch like thing across the street. And he was standing behind a palm tree. And after there was a sermon preached out of Romans seven, when I will to do that, which I, I, that which I will to do, I do not. And he comes from behind the oak tree after it's over and he came to where we were. And he said, that was me. And he was a, he was, he was a grown man. Now I used to teach him when I used to teach Sunday school as a teen mm. and he came that night to that place. So yeah, I've done that. It did some things in Tampa on main <laughs> street and, and, and some of the projects and all of that. And, and, and I'm going to be honest with you. You'll be surprised that when you're out there doing that type of ministry, you'll be surprised. I, I don't want to cook. It could take a lot of time, but you'll be surprised at what God will do through you. I mean, you will know that his presence is there, some of the things that happen. So, yes, I've done that. Daniel, tell us about street street ministry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I, I tell you, just quite honestly, I'd, I'd go, my wife, would we'd get some bread, and we'd go into the projects, you know. And, I mean, I had African-American pastors said, I ain't going there. I ain't, you know, so I, but you know, when I, when, when I got, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, I began to open up the word of God. And I said, well, what, what'd they do when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit with the church? And said, so I saw them, you know, they're preaching every day. And I said, well, where can I preach every day? You know, and I knew that because of restrictions wow. and so forth, I could, I could, well, you know what? I can go to the projects and I went in front, I went to the projects and went in front of bars and uh, was preaching. And, 
you know, and I was preaching a message and so forth. And, you know, finally I came back. You know, I got on my face uh, in my kitchen in Bryan, Texas. I'll never forget this is that I said, God, you know, on a, uh, you know, I, I was getting like zero reaction, right? So I'm going, right. God, we got to make them mad or make them glad. I don't care if they hate me. Go, give me something. I need a reaction, you know? And there <laughs> it is, you know, that no one, no, it says no, no one, you know, is, is justified by the law. They're right. all guilty. That's right. And I was going like, oh, wow, the Ten Commandments. Right. So this is before I even met Ray Comfort. Right. It was like a year later I met Ray Comfort. So I started going, you know, we went door to door. I got my church to go door to door and just using the Ten Commandments as a survey. We were just wondering the average knowledge of the average person, whether they knew the Ten Commandments and and, and whether or not they obeyed them. You don't mind if we ask you, Tanquil Christians, do you know the First Commandment and have you obeyed it? Mm. You know, sure that. And so I would preach the Ten Commandments too. You know, out there. So then I started getting some real reaction. You, know, you, know, you did, you know, because uh, you know they don't know. You know, quite frankly, you know, you have a lot of lost people, even in the projects. Yeah, they, they can quote scripture. Yep, they know scripture. Yep, they've been around the religiosity enough. Yep. that they can know. See, but what's the difference is, you know, even the devil believes and trembles. That's so right. So you can know, and you have that head knowledge, but. They haven't put it into, into action, right? Mm-hmm. They haven't activated that that knowledge. And so that's the same thing. That's why they're not a follower of Jesus. They're mm-hmm. not a disciple. Right. And so, yes, I mean, we would take guys in off the streets. We would take we we're taking them literally into our home, mm-hmm. uh, and, and which is kind of crazy, but most people wouldn't do that. But we had a bunch of guys in our home and we filled up our home. Then we then we rented the house across the street and filled up that house too. And uh, uh, just something a little funny. So one guy, he's, he's a Hispanic guy named Martin, and all these guys were either had been in the county jail or, you know, on drugs and what, taking them all in. It was just crazy. And I'm not saying that, you you know, in other words, hey, guys, just I'm saying that. I don't expect everybody to do that. And that's not what I mean by making a disciple in the book, okay? I'm talking about just getting another brother and, you know, that, you know, mentoring that brother and, and willing to have that discipleship relationship. That's what's in the book. But because I know this could be like out there and not everybody can do these kind of things. But I, I, I tell you, <laughs> let's go on with the story. So we're all sitting around the table. And so I go around and I start asking him, well, how do you know that God's changed your life? And Martin says, well, I know God has changed my life because I haven't stole anything from you yet. <laughs> I looked at Kelly and said, honey, hide the keys to the car. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Don't tempt the poor boy, so, right? So, anyway, it's just funny. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that's that was our part of, you know, street preaching and so forth. And, uh, you know, it's good. You know, and quite frankly, you know, that was that was mission work for sure. Yeah. You know, but uh, really cutting your, your t- teeth on that. And, and I raised a bunch of guys up in that. You know, I, it just so happened that. You know, a guy named Clint Matthews, he was one of the leaders at the Baptist Student Union at Texas A&M University, wow. and God had done a work in his life, and he's going like, I, I, I want to find somebody in the city that's like reaching out and doing, 
And he he's calling around, asking all these pastors. And he said, and they said, if I, you see, they kept on saying, the only guy we know do that is Daniel Bernard. <laughs> you know, so, right. so he ended up calling me, and he hooked up. And you know, we've uh, basically, you know, I didn't win him to the Lord, but basically, he's been my adopted son. Mm, wow, and he's con- you know, in, up to this day. In fact, he's helping. He's given a little. He went to Nigeria with me. He's given a little money for us in this trip as well. So it's great, man. You know, so you know that's the best these are when you when you have an impartation like that they're long lasting relationships mm. you know it's the real deal so yeah. you know i i just want to encourage you to do and you get also in that. Uh, is that what kind of helped you lead you to actually do missionary work to other countries then yeah of course you know because what i did i just i took what i did was doing in Bryan, texas and i just translated that to nigeria right i mean i i mean i was down at the river and the guys were you know, and when they make bricks, what they do, they they have buckets. They dive down and gather the sand from the bottom of the floor of the river. They bring it up. I mean, they're swimming and they bring it up. They hand it to the guy in the boat. The guy in the boat dumps it into a big basket, and then they come once they filled the baskets up on this boat. Then they bring the boat to shore. They take the baskets and they pour them onto the shore. And with that sand, they make bricks. Wow. So I went down there. I was down there at there at the shore and saw several boats doing that. And so I began to preach and say, Hey, you know what? That what you're carrying that big, you know, thing of sand. I said, That's like the burden of sin. I wow. said, And you can let mm. that burden of sin go. And on my first convert, Assurance, he came, he, he left the he left the basket. And he came and got on his knees and gave his life to the Lord. Mm. Now he's pastoring now, right? Is that? The oh same yeah, one? yeah. Now he's he's a church planter. He's yeah, a, wow. yeah, yeah. And uh, he's just now coming back into our ministry. But uh, he was with it for some time. Then he went off to be with the assemblies. Was has been a church planter. He's planted recently. He's planted six churches among the Ejo. And so he's a church planter. And uh, and he brought Wilson into the ministry. Wow. He brought Wilson into the ministry. And and Wilson had been to church, you know, he'd been to the name and claim it churches, you know, sure, the prosperity yep. churches. And so when he heard me speak the law, it was like, oh, um, I've never heard this in my life. He wasn't even sure, like, is this a cult or something? Yeah. You know, he was, but, you know, if you knew Wilson, Wilson really is a deep thinker and he really processes things. And it took him several days, but he finally came and he said, man, this, this law thing is, is it's brought me to, I'm undone. You know, he said, yep. and he thoroughly repented and gave his life to the Lord. And so, you know, of course, he became the general overseer of our high impact Christian centers. I remember when it was a couple of decades ago that you brought Wilson here and he came over to the church. And this is just to give you all some insight on the powerful anointing that God has placed on Daniel's life to let you know what happens in the lives of these people around the world. People still do practice idolatry. And pagan worship. And Wilson came here and he ministered at our ministry. He preached at our ministry, but he had a box. And in this box, he had pictures. And the pictures were of the, the, the gods, which I know gods that they had that they burned. And he also had pieces of wood that were broken, that were gods that they worship. He told me that his father worshiped the god of iron or something like that but the the gods that they worship. So these people, a, a number of these people that are now pastors and believers, these people 
uh, pagan practices. They were heathens and they, they worshiped false gods. They made their own gods. They built their own gods. And, and, and now these people are serving the true and living God and winning all the souls over to Christ. So, there is there is great reward in what Daniel was doing and, and even going to his his book, if I would give an endorsement, I I would say this is a book from decades of experience uh in evangelism, in soul winning, and I don't care what he is, he's going to try to do it. I it just came to my mind when we were in Lagos and we were going to that hotel. It was cab driver there, and Wilson was telling us to be careful about what we say because they take your information and they do this and they'll get your phone. So we're sitting in the cab, and Daniel starts telling this story. And I said, okay, he's setting this guy up. <laughs> and then when Daniel finishes and the guy answers the question, I'm just going to get it was in It was in this vein. So Daniel says something like this. He says, so you're a thief, you're a robber, you're a liar, you're this, you're that, you're that, you're that, you're that. And Daniel's telling him how he's violated. <laughs> I said, oh, goodness. And so by the time we pull up, Wilson goes in to check us in. The cab driver, the Nigerian cab driver, I don't know what tribe he was. They know their tribes. That's what I'm saying. That The cab driver, he has his hands up in the car. The Lord, give me I'm a sinner. Daniel is leading this guy to Christ that we just met. And and then Daniel's, and if you need to reach me, here's my number. And, and Wilson's just shaking his head when he talks to me. Like, I told Daniel, he just, you know, you don't live here giving people their numbers. But Daniel trusts God. He's telling this cab driver who lives almost 8,000 miles away, 7,500 so many miles away. You just call me at this number if you need anything. So I don't care where it is, what time of day it is, whether he knows you or not. Daniel is going to move to lead you to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that that is something that I have recognized about him. That's something that I admire when it comes to Daniel. Didn't and you I, even mention the other day he was a little older than you and still how amazing he is just like pushing on? Yeah, that, that I'm like, <laughs> man, this, this guy's getting, re- we were supposed to go to the bush about 27 years ago, but at that time they were having the election. Remember that, Daniel? So the, the, the president didn't want to let us come over there. He didn't feel it was safe. He was looking out for us. But I, one of my pa- pastor friends, he's going to know what I'm talking about. I'm going to bring him up. I was trying to get him all charged up yeah, for the next trip, for the trip. I said, yeah, we're going to Nigeria. We're going to preach the guy. He said, yeah. I said, we're going to get these souls saying, yeah. I said, and the heathen, we're gonna, yeah. I said, and we're going to get on those boats, and we're going back in the bush, and we're going to win the Ejos. He said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> <laughs> he was fine with the city, but he wasn't going back in the bush. I said, we're going back in the bush. We're going to go back there, and we're going to get those each all saved. <laughs> the devil was a liar. That's the dude, you going to come back here with that big body and have a little head, because they're going to shrink your head. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, did well, I just, get a laugh out of that one? Just so you know, obviously, if you go on a missions trip with either of these guys, trash talking for the rest of your life is fair game. Fair game. <laughs> we were riding back. We get ready to leave, and I prayed, you know, because there are a lot of pot- the potholes are big. We don't think here. I mean, really, almost think craters because yeah. you can go down like and and then come back up, and you can see trucks flipped over on the side of the road. They may have been there for months. This is no exaggeration, is it, Daniel? No. And you don't you don't really see the police, but we I prayed, and then while we're driving, while while this is driving, because they're constantly honking the horn, while they go like something you see in the movie, and that's in the south or the north. It's pretty much. 
Muslim controlled and, and the government is pretty much, and I might as well say it, it's a lot better as far as that. And, and But the South is mainly Christian. And it's not because the Christians don't want, but it's just not fair. Let me put it that way. But anyway, we're driving back and and I prayed, Lord, Lord, give us safe traveling. And all of a sudden, Daniel says, uh, Daniel says, can we, can we pray? I said, Daniel, I already pray. Daniel said, well, another prayer won't hurt. Daniel said, <laughs> Daniel said Lord, give Wilson discernment to see the potholes. <laughs> I no, we get home safe. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's true. It's dangerous, man. That. Well, I, I took Daniel down this road. I wanted the listeners to realize that when you talk about Daniel Bernard, you're talking to a guy who's been on the streets. He's been there. Okay. He has been all over the world. He's been into the bush to, to, to put out the gospel. He is all about saving souls. So, But he is telling us that there's something missing, and this something missing is the discipleship. So even though he is trying to get souls saved, he is sharing that gospel— he knows that there's something that's deeper that, that we are also called to do, and that is to make these disciples. And so as we kind of end up here, I want to throw it back to you, Daniel. This is why we were like jumping to get you on the show today, because we believe you're the perfect example of what we're talking about and how you're bringing this this aspect to light. Yes. And, and really, even in a prophetic way, that if we don't do this the way God says— it's not going to work. And that's what we're also have to face, that something's not working. The church, you know, has become lukewarm. The church is just devouring milk, right? It's, we can see the, the, the complete focus on the superficial, the numbers, the beauty, the performance, the entertainment value, you know, and rather than focusing on the truth— and so I just want to give you the last few words and to, to kind of sum well, up. I appreciate that. And just remember that it's life to life and that the whole, you know, get the book, but don't go run into your pastor and say, pastor, you know, let's, let's I will tell you that's the, the, the pastors that are getting it, they're buying it in bulk and getting it to their men. It's not, the principles are for men and women. So even though, you know, the focus and maybe the language is a little bit more towards the men, it's for both genders, obviously. And Does that mean Kathy read it? And she, did well, she approve it? She did. She, you know, she's lived it. So Kathy's the other author of yeah, the book, folks. So, but you know, just you know, listen, win somebody to the Lord, and really, you know, don't hand them off to a church. You impart to them what God has given you. It's not. It's not that hard. You know, read, get them, get together with them, and pray together. Show them. Mm. You know, get together with them, and you know, as they're reading the the gospels and so forth, then sit down and just talk with them. What is it that you don't understand? What is it that you like about this? How do you see, uh, you know, what does this tell you about God? What does this tell you about people? You know, so that's in, you know, so I talk about being fat, faithful, available, accountable, and teachable. You know, so again, the accountability part is, okay, you you read this, you heard this, you know, what is God saying for you to do about it? You know, and hold people accountable doing that, that just that. So it's not, nothing much more than that. You know, what it is that you do as a Christian, how can you help that other person uh, impart that to another person from one life to another? And that's what discipleship is. And so I just want to just uh, challenge you and encourage you to, to do that. And as you continue to do that, see that multiply, you know, among among you guys. And then if you can do that as a group, then it's even more encouraging. And then eventually your your, your pastor is going to say, wow, I'm 
I didn't know I was raising up all these mighty men of God. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I, I want to say something, and um, I, I'm saying this to encourage young people because everything that Daniel's saying, that's that's an excellent example in, tr- in truth. Even though I met Daniel in 1997, I probably would have liked to have met him about five or six years earlier. Before a pastor, I was telling you, and it just came to my mind a few minutes ago, and I want to share this. But I was living in Tampa then, and I was living in an apartment. It was not; it wasn't in a bad area. It was a pretty decent area. But there were people who would come in that community, and they would break the windows out of the. They would break the windows out of the vacant apartments. And I had a friend that the friend I was doing evangelism with. We went to the managers in the complex because we didn't like what was happening, and. We said that we wanted to do something. So the complex, they supplied the the plywood, the four by eight sheets, and we got the drill and the screws, and we boarded up on these windows, and it's a nice complex. Mm. But what we started doing, we started going apartment to apartment, talking to these people, sitting down as we were talking to them. And here's what happened. What happened was, the manager allowed us to use the clubhouse. And on Tuesday nights and Friday nights, we would fill it up. We would get about 50 or so, 50 or more people every Tuesday night, Friday night. I wasn't pastoring then. And then we brought this other guy along. And as he was looking at this, because we would, we had a musician that would play, but we had churches that we went to on Sundays. He decided that he wanted to started ministry and he was focused on a name. There was another person who had wanted to use this place a long time ago, got permission, but they never did anything. But now that they saw the people coming, now they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I lived there. These other two didn't. They got in a beef. It ended up going to the apartment manager. They went to the apartment manager. I was embarrassed. I was shame. I wasn't there when they went there, but the apartment manager talked with me. And the apartment manager said, you also supposed to be of the church. If, if the church is like this, maybe I shouldn't let anybody use it. Mm-hmm. And eventually it went down. Now, here's where I'm going. At that time, I'm going to be honest with you. I lacked a little confidence in what I was doing, which I didn't realize it was great that I wasn't looking at myself. The problem was the lack of the confidence in what God was doing. And I was passing it over to somebody to hit it instead of me, even though the favor was given to me with the place. We ended up with nothing. But here's what I want to say. Just because God uses you to win souls and you see it being effective, it doesn't mean that you are supposed to start pastoring or look to start a church. Take them where you are or to a church that's near that you know is lined up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do that. And also, if God graces you to do something, have confidence in him and don't pass the work on that God has given to you to somebody else. Yes, others can work with you, but don't pass the work on that God has given to you to somebody else, because if God has given it to you and somebody else tries to take it or even if you try to pass it to somebody else because you you look at them in a certain way, don't expect it to be successful as it should be, or if at all, 
because that's what God decided he wanted to do. God willed that he was going to use you for a certain reason. I learned that lesson. It was painful. And I'll be honest, if I had to do all over again, I would have never done it that way. But when I look at the work that Daniel has done, people work with him, but he's never given it over to somebody else. Mm. And I believe that is why the success is there, because he is doing the will of God. Mm. And so we are talking about today the proven plan by Dr. Daniel and Kathy Bernard. Of course, the foreword is written by Ken Harrison, who's the chairman of Promise Keepers. But I'm looking in this book here, and we have a testimony by Lucas Miles, who wrote Woke Jesus, which we just talked a lot about on the podcast, Lieutenant Colonel Allen B. West. We have Dr. Joseph Matera. We have Bishop Vaughn McLaughlin. We have Dr. Terry Tickle, who we just got to here at a pastor's meeting, which is, he is quite the character, I'll tell you. We have Damian Gerke, and we also have uh, Doug Stringer, who actually is the founder and president of Somebody Cares Tampa Bay America. And we have Richard Green. And so quite quite a number of people that have recommended this book. The reason we're recommending it is because we've been talking about this hole in the church today that somehow we're calling it church but it shouldn't really be called church because we're missing these ingredients. And so that's why we wanted to have Daniel on today to really bring this out and put your finger on it. And he has been so involved in evangelism and winning souls, but he realizes that if we don't have the back door covered, see, we're talking about, an, we got a big front door, but we got just as big of a back door to the church. And the reason they won't go out the back door, folks, is because they have become disciples of Jesus Christ, not even you and I. But the good news is, is it's the relationship you have with them, that life on life, that's going to help them to realize that there is a personable God and that this all happens through relationships. So Daniel, any last words? And then also go ahead and pray us out for today. Well, you know, just again, let me just encourage you that you can get the book by going to our uh, website, Somebody Cares Tampa Bay, www.sctb.org. And of course, if you need to and have any questions, just give us a call at our office, 727 536 2273, spells care. So, yes, I just want to, you know, just one last thing, you know, uh, Paul told Timothy, he said, what you have seen and heard of me in the presence of many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men so they might be able to teach others also. There's four generations in that statement. There's, wow. Paul, there's Paul, there's a Timothy, the faithful men, and the others. And one of the chapters is devoted to, call it, you know, your spiritual family tree. We all, you know, can uh, go and, what do they call it, to ancestors.com, and you can go see your biological family tree. But this is where... You chart your own family tree. And if you don't have a disciple in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know, today, because there's so many, there's so many orphans out there, you don't even have to win them to the Lord. You you know, but because there's people out there who are just orphans and just through our, you know, mass evangelism and so forth, people will come to Christ and they don't have any relationship, anyone who to really mentor them. So just want to challenge it that go out and, and start your own family tree. If you don't have any right now, Amen. start that spiritual family tree, that that kind of, you know, heritage and ancestry in the Lord, that, that'd be a powerful thing. Because again, Paul told us, he says, you know, it is those people, those are your, those are your people, are your crown, yeah. they're your joy, they're your, they're your reward at the coming of the Lord. And go so, back and connect with some of those people 
that have been discipling you and stay connected to them because that's going to help you continue that family tree. Yeah, absolutely. So it means just, you know, you don't, you don't have to wait on your pastor, you know, is that the the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, he can't, he can only really disciple so many people himself. That's true. So, you know, I've got an actual whole chapter dedicated to talk about, you know, what would be the right structure in order for that discipleship to take place in a church. Right. Uh, we have a whole pastor, uh, Pastor Murphy, who had a 7,000-member church, and he decided that I'm not making disciples. So you know what he did? He turned it over. He shut it down to start getting small and started some smaller churches that where they made disciples. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we have it backwards. Jesus poured himself into a few and, and to gather the many, we'd gather the many to help find a few disciples. Yes. You know, we do it just the opposite of what Jesus did. So Amen. guys, just let's turn this thing around and let's go make some disciples who are, you know, who, who can really then impact our communities for Christ. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and pray for us, Daniel. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We praise you, God, for showing us the way. Lord, you told us that how we to do it. Lord, we just come up with our own creative ideas and and Lord, out of the really the, the, the deceitfulness of our own hearts, Lord, we we think somehow that we got a better plan and we got a better way. And and yet, God, we find ourselves, Lord, as we're finding the church in America today, uh, boy, we we it looked good on the outside, but man, we're not really producing people who will impact their culture. And we so we have to look at what we're producing. And so, Lord, as we do that. Lord, help us to get just back to that simple formula that you exemplified with the 12 disciples and that we can implement, Lord, if we're just willing to die to ourselves, humble ourselves before you. And Lord, I know that you're going to answer the prayer of those who are hearing right now who said, Lord, I I want to disciple others because I know that, Lord, you want them to disciple others more than they want to. And so I know you'll answer that prayer for them to find a disciple Win somebody to the Lord and become that disciple, Lord, if they are, their heart is ready to do that. And, Lord, if when they have that heart, they might not have all the how-tos right now, but, Lord, if somebody has a heart to, I know you'll direct them to the how-to. So, Lord, we just pray that right now. And Lord, give them a heart to follow the proven plan and to make disciples who will make disciples. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And, Daniel, thanks for making it easy. Have you ever wondered how you could get your hands on some awesome Supernatural Junkies gear? Well, the answer to that is it's now available on redbubble.com. We have a shop on there for Supernatural Junkies, and there's t-shirts, leggings, sweatshirts, hoodies, even a shower curtain. So if you've always wanted to have a shower curtain with Dr. Kevin on it, you can just get one with just Dr. Kevin. We have our logo on there on everything, and we also have all of us as singles. You can get magnets, stickers, you name it. It's all available on our Redbubble shop. I will be posting a link to that in our show notes for the last few episodes and from this point forward. If you have any questions about anything you want to contact us, you can do so at supernaturaljunkies at gmail.com. Thanks, guys.